Welcome to Message Received. In this Coffee Break episode, Tim chats to Sam Allen, founder and CEO of ConferenceMC.com. Sam comes with a wealth of knowledge in the events industry, and she shares with Tim why this space is so special. Welcome everyone to Message Received. I'm your host, Tim Ferguson, and I'm so thrilled to have Sam Allen currently running ConferenceMCs.com, co-founder. I'm going to let Sam introduce herself. Welcome to Message Received, Sam. Thank you for having me on, Tim. My name is Sam Allen, and as you alluded to, I am the founder and CEO of conferencemcs.com, the newest and the most innovative agency that's out there at the moment, solely focused on a global network of professional conference MCs and facilitators. We'll talk about that later. I've been in the industry for about 20 years. I was counting just now before we started speaking. My background comes in event management, through to moving into the world of big venues, uh, running big sales teams in incredible places like Twickenham, uh, the Barbican Centre here in London, and the SEC before it became the Scottish event campus. Then, yeah, the story then moves into how I got to, to do what I do today. So I looked and noticed that you spent two years as president of MPI, Meeting Professionals International, and that you were working in the UK chapter prior to that. If you had to give someone a a picture of what makes the event industry special, what is interesting about it? Why have you dedicated your career to it? I fell into the event sector when I lived in Hong Kong and I started working for a publishing company who were seconded to an association to help organize some of their events of which they hadn't done. It was really hard work. But if you've got this DNA, which I think if you said to people outside sort of the event community, if we call it the community of, of event professionals, I think we are incredibly social creatures. We are self-servers. We like to problem solve. We like to fix. We like to plan. And we like to produce stuff that other people get a big kick out of. I worked hard as a volunteer in MPI, Meeting Professionals International, but I, I built that network and it's it's served me ever since. You know, I, I've always said I know, really, I don't know anything, but I know a lot of people who do know a lot of stuff. So I'm very blessed in that respect. And I think that's probably one of the pillars and or strings to why conference MCs is going to be quite successful because I don't know it, but I'm also pretty confident that incredible community I am fortunate to be part of does. Well, I think you're being perhaps overly modest, but we'll give you that. I've seen you in action and you bring so much to the MC role and the event design role. I want to go back to a few interesting threads that, and just to get your comments on them. One is the relationship between sales and meetings, events. Because it strikes me, as you were telling your story, that they both have a clear outcome. Sale or no sale. Applause or no applause. Like when the thing about an event is you can tell whether it was effective. And it's very complete. Like when the show is done, it's done and gone forever. And in sales, it's similar. It's like happy customer, sale, or not happy customer, no sale. What relationship do you see between events and sales? They're both about people. Everything around it is people-centric. There's utter correlation with relationship building. My sales experience came from outside of the sector. So I was I was a salesperson and I was a recruitment consultant um, sort of before jumping into venues. But for me, it's about developing those relationships and it's, it's about 
you know, having having the use to be helpful. And again, I think that's where events come in, that we like to help, we like to enable and support. So, yeah, I think sales and event sales and uh, are very nicely married together. You're in this event industry. You understand venues, you understand planning, you understand objectives, you understand making it all fantastic. But there, the stage is calling somehow. Tell us about the transition to, hey, I want to be an MC. I want to be a facilitator. I want to be a moderator. I want to be a speaker. What was that like for you? So I don't. There you go. That's going to be the shock headline. I don't want to be a speaker. Um, I didn't want to be on the stage. I had been in my role as an MPI president facilitating meetings, um, so board meetings, and just doing that, you know, as as a head of sales, facilitating, you know, our sales conferences. And then suddenly with my association events, it's like, well, Sam, you need to go up because you're the president. So you need to sort of run the whole thing. And, you know, we had no money in the association so of course you know well I'll moderate the conversation with the panel that we've picked for this association event I then started doing it because of course people ask busy people and busy people always say yes so other industry associations like Sam can you come and moderate this panel discussion and I did and I loved it and where I feel like I the stage didn't call me or hasn't called me is that I see myself as useful as the microphone on a stage. You cannot run an event on stage without that microphone, but I'm the conduit to whatever that success of that event is going to be. So it's not me that is on stage. It is me as the extension to the audience, enabling them to have a voice and enabling them to get the the best out of whatever that event is. If you said to me, you're on a stage, I don't think I'd get up there. And um, it's this weirded introvert, extrovert type character. But where I do know, and this is where I think, you know, professionals who do what we do is it's what it feels like afterwards. And that's why I know I was born to do this as a job. It's that feeling that when the show has, you know, that part of the the experience has come to an end and there's not a high, uh, to my knowledge, like that. To know that in some part where we work a lot, both of us in the healthcare world, you know, that what our, our small contribution could be making quite a substantial difference to the lives of people around the world. Come on, that's that's a nice reason to get up and, and go to work in the morning, right? I think it's beautifully described and that that your word conduit and the the notion that you're creating connections between the people on the stage and the people in the audience or among the people in the workshop and asking those great questions, knowing when to switch the energy from one one kind of level to another, when to get the quiet person to engage, when to get the person doing all the talking to pause and to let others get involved. And if you're doing it at a very high level, you are kind of unnoticed. It's a really fascinating point. We provide this amazing thread that if we weren't there, the experience of both the content provider and the participant would lessen. And, you know, if you look at our client bases who work with us on a regular basis, they don't go back. Once you've made that commitment, once you've made that decision to work with a professional host, people do not go back. I I can't stress it strongly enough. I mean, that's why I've managed the transition across to conference MCs because my clients don't ever not want to have a host because they've seen, once that person's been there, they've seen that true value. Especially, and I think in healthcare, where often the expert has very deep technical knowledge and 
sophisticated language that needs to be converted or translated into something without dumbing it down at all, translated into a language that the audience will understand. And I think a, a facilitator, an MC, a moderator, it's one of the, the jobs. It's to somehow, in the way you frame a question, in the way you ask the question, you send signals to the expert that say, hey, let's change the way you would normally tell this story. Don't give us, don't, don't act like everyone else in the room is your peer and, you know, you can speak in your short language and your, your acronyms. How do you see that part of the role where you're listening to the story, you're listening to the information in a way that you're making sure that that conduit is as strong as possible. How do you conceptualize that? We still have a battle with clients who say we need a subject matter expert to facilitate our conference. And there are scenarios where I am absolutely in agreement with them. But I would say there are more scenarios where they need somebody in that role, as you've just said it so beautifully, can act. And as almost like the lay person, you know, there are people going to be in the room, you know, that one person who is a student or is new to that particular healthcare community, we need to make sure that we can create that communication that's coming from that that incredible professor or scientist and make sure that that is accessible to that layperson. And being the non-subject matter expert in the room or the layperson, as I sometimes humbly call myself, we can create that conversation um, and create that fluidity. And as I said, be that conduit to that person who, who doesn't want to ask what perhaps that acronym was or when that professor has talked about something that's happened in the past, we will dig a little bit deeper. I say this to clients when we're talking and educating, like, you know, we need the people who can get the best out of your people. And that to me is is the role of that professional facilitator. I want to help people understand what a great facilitator moderator does to prepare. What are the, the habits and the rituals that you developed in order to arrive maybe not on stage in your conceptualization of it, but arrive in the moment to do the job and you know you're going to nail it or you're ready to nail it. What were the secrets to the success? So eating really well, filling myself with good green vegetables because on site inherently you don't seem to see a green vegetable for the time you're there. Staying fit, be building up to make sure that I was feeling fit, getting some great sleep because we know, as all event professionals know, thing on site that's going to be lacking. Also, you've got to contend with things like jet lag. So you it, you do train you know, somewhat like an athlete for the event. No alcohol. I really enjoy a glass of wine, but that would go out of the window because the fact that for eight hours of the conference plus the two, three hours before and maybe an hour after, the level of being present is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. If I mean, I meditate. So that's also something that really helps me uh, build my focus. So bird's eye view, the, the lights are on, the microphone's in your hand, the people are in the room and a really difficult question gets asked. You're not entirely sure you understand it, but what you do sense is A, it's complex, B, it's controversial, and everyone's waiting for the pivot. Like, what's that like? What's going on in your mind? That clarity of focus is something that you can only get from experience, and that's why, whether it's a workshop or a small conference or a large conference, 
it's really important to me as a professional that I meet some of those key stakeholders prior to the event happening because they are your allies in the room. You can always reach out, you know, what's your opinion on that? So taking it away from me, finding an ally in the room who I know would be able to be that expert in the subject matter. And I think one of those questions that I would be asking of those stakeholders, not necessarily the event organiser, but actually those, whether it's the leadership team, whoever it is, I make it my business to have had at least a conversation with those people and asked what are the sensitive topics? What are the sensitive buzzwords? Is there anything that we need to avoid in this conversation? You're not hiring me for the stuff I do just in that conference room for those hours. You're hiring me for the experience and the knowledge of asking the right questions before to make sure that that time in that conference room is beneficial for all. So now I want to put the COVID comes. So I'm a live event person. Laura, who's recording this with us, is a live event person. You're a live event person. Then two years ago, COVID-19 shuts the door. You have just gotten your career as the facilitator going, the emceeing going, uh, and you're making a meteoric rise. Like you've really got momentum. And then boom, COVID. What was that experience like? And what was the transition to virtual like? You said it so well. I'd, I'd been a year as a fully turned professional and for the first time ever moved into 2020, January 1st, 2020, with no worries because I was booked out until the end of the year and I have space to add more. And it was very, very exciting. And then yet yeah, in the space of three weeks, every single piece of business that I had cancelled. And that power of that network came into play. So a very good friend of ours, Martin Benest, pinged me a message, knew obviously that I'd lost everything. And for those of you who don't know Martin, he is the guru of meeting design and has been a guru of online way before the pandemic. And he said, come and join. I'm, I'm running an online event design course. Come and do that. And I didn't believe in online events. So I went on this course he told me it was three hour sessions. I'm like, I am not staying on live for three hours. I've got the attention span of a gnat. That's why I do my job. But he convinced me through this training. So I was engaged. I learned. I made friends. So that I built relationships. I did business. And from that, that gave me the courage and the confidence to talk to my clients and say, look, come on, I think we can do this. Let's, you know, let me keep the deposit and let me work with you and we'll figure this all out. And we did. And then from there, you know, my reputation, people knew I knew what I was talking about. And I learned by numbers. I learned by seeing what went wrong, taking that on board, working with incredible people in the back room in terms of tech and production. Congratulations. I mean, that's amazing. Pivot and then elevation. Wonderful. Want to talk now about conferencemcs.com. You have all these live event professionals around the world. None of us would be in the live event business if we didn't love live events. So the whole industry gets hit. And I think at the same time, our consciousness about the climate, we finally get it. Oh, there's a serious problem here. And getting on airplanes and flying around the world is not necessarily sustainable. Connect the dots for us. Where does the genesis of conference MCs come from? In 2019, I traveled 40,000 miles for four jobs. It doesn't make sense on the planet, but also, you know, economies of scale. There's only one of me. I can't grow this business any further. The second pillar, the second reason behind, you know, this movement into conference MCs was around the sustainability piece, because I also 
don't want to travel like I did. I missed out on big family stuff. So those were two things around sustainability. So it's not just about the carbon, it's about life and well-being. The second thing is diversity. I was traveling like you to a lot of conferences and seeing the same person facilitating on a stage. And that person was a male and he had gray hair. And I feel very strongly back down to meeting design that that's something that's really integral. And again, DE and I has come really front and center of the corporate agenda now. And, and to me, that's been huge. Women, as you know, are very good at this role. We can use um, our flexibility. If we are mothers, we can work with anybody in terms of disabilities and accessibility. If you know, and We are very conscious at Conference MCs of making sure we ask for that information so that we can match and being as inclusive as we can. And then the last thing is experience, as we've just been talking to for most of the podcast, is that, you know, this is a difficult job. It's gotten more difficult. We aren't, you know, sorry, folks, you may be wanting to all meet back in a room solely this year. That is going to shift again. Sustainability and legislation is going to change that way. It's just is. And we have to be agile Again, having these true experienced professionals who can pivot straight away into digital, who can jump into a studio, who can support your stakeholders in whichever environment we need to be in. To me, those three pillars just made sense. And um, yeah, we went live in January. We have nearly 40 associates from San Francisco to Sydney, which I'm stoked about. And the whole thing around the associate side, these are brilliant brilliant hosts guys they are so good and you probably work with some of them but they want to be part of conference mcs because they want to be part of a community we can get better we can share best practice we can get innovation we can get support and that feeling at the end of the show when we do feel low and the event management company all go back to their office together and we go home on our own it's not just about getting more business that we will win for them it's actually more important that They get better at what they do. They can talk to like-minded people about it. There's a support network there. And that's what I'm really excited about. So the idea, so I'm the client. I have a need. Instead of saying, hey, Sam, can you do my gig? I say, hey, conference MCs, can you do my gig? And now instead of my choice of either Sam or Sam or Sam, my choice is, well, maybe 40 different individuals. And is the idea then as well local? So the the MC from Paris is not flying to London while the London MC is flying to Paris. It's like, oh, why don't we both stay in our local city? Is that part of the idea there? Yeah. So number one, so the pain point is if you you see it on many of these social media channels, we're looking for a moderator and then they get 85 recommendations. And how do you know that person's experience? So number one, one point of contact, we find those people for you. Number two, we have a clever little search engine being built so people can you know, really hone down on geographical location, language, type of event experience, budget, which obviously is quite important. And whilst we're not saying hosts will not travel, if, you know, if Tim's in Zurich, you know, he's not going to travel, what we want to do is aim to be part of the solution. We will have that same quality and caliber host for you without that carbon footprint. Now, there'll be times when we travel, but we're measuring all of that now. Um, All of our hosts, our associates, when they onboard, they are also committing to become carbon neutral. And it's a question we ask. We will not invite anyone to our community if that is something that they're not committed to. 
It sounds so amazing. I think you're ahead of the curve on this whole concept. As soon as I heard about it, I thought that's just genius. And I'm sure everyone listening has been inspired by what you've done. Our podcast is called Message Received. What's your final message for our audience? If you had one takeaway from this discussion, what do you hope people will take away? I would really love people to have listened to this time that we've been speaking and understand a, the value that a person, a moderator, an MC, a host, a facilitator can truly bring. And so if people have been thinking, well, you know, we've been working with our sales director and he loves people. I really hope that one message has come across that we can truly elevate the experience for the participant. We can really, truly make sure that that behavior change happens and that this role in a few years time will be as important to an organizer as uh, the keynote speaker. I love it. Thank you so much, Sam, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you real soon. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Message Received. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please watch out for the next one in this series, Systems, Deep Content and Leadership with Sandra Mayer.